On today's episode of Secrets of Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Mandy Herman, a CMO in the D2C space for a long time. We had an incredible conversation around the use of catalogs, how to track catalogs, how catalogs are not just for companies like Uline and how phenomenal catalogs can be. Well, we went through a bunch of different ideas around it. We talked about some of the potential returns that you can actually see. This episode pairs really, really nicely with a recent episode that I did with Michael Epstein of Postpilot. So I highly suggest that you listen to this one, then go back and listen to Michael's or you can do vice versa. But you guys are not going to want to miss this. I believe that the brands that are going to be testing ideas like this will be the ones that survive and thrive through these difficult times. But hey, guys. We all know how daunting it can be to rely on past inventory projections, especially when it comes to getting the exact right amount of inventory in time for the holiday season. I'm sure lots of you guys are there right now. Well, I actually have an exciting solution to share with you today. Introducing my buddies over at Portless. It's a logistics company that is legitimately changing the game for D2C businesses. By shipping your products directly from China straight to your customers with a fully domestic shopping experience, including custom packaging and local tracking numbers, which is the biggest thing here. They're actually able to keep you in stock all throughout the holiday season and hopefully actually with less inventory on hand, which we all know will help us with our cash issues. Uh, with Q4 right around the corner, it is absolutely crucial to prepare for this holiday ramp up and secure your inventory. Do not let the risks of overstock or stockouts or having your cash flow tied up in inventory hold you back. Portless has revolutionized the way the brands move inventory. Say goodbye to the days of ordering inventory way in advance like I still do. <laughs> uh, you have access to factory MOQs and you can replenish fast-moving products super, super fast, generally sometimes within three to five days, allowing you to capitalize on the demand and then eliminate product wastage. Gone are the days of long shipping times that come with traditional cargo shipping. Remember what it was like during 2020 with cargo shipping? First of all, there were so many delays. And second of all, the price went from $2,000 a container to like $20,000 a container. It was absolutely insane. With Portless, your inventory is ready for sale within two to four days of being manufactured. That's crazy. The shipping within China is so ridiculously fast and cheap to actually get you to Portless which is incredible. That means no more waiting 45 to 60 days for your products to actually arrive, right? Portless understands the importance of being nimble and cash positive in the world of D2C and e-commerce. That's why they're here to make it easier for brands like you guys. And if you guys are agency owners as well, I would definitely let all of your brands know about this. They ship to over 55 countries from their fulfillment center in China. And your customers are still going to enjoy the domestic shipping experience within six to eight day shipping. And again, you know, their average is five days. I know they don't want me to say that, but that is their average and last mile tracking numbers from trusted carriers like USPS and Canada Post. But here's the game changer. Not only is this premium experience not expensive, it's actually cheaper than your current fulfillment options. I have zero doubt about that. That's because cargo shipping often comes with a laundry list of extra fees that eat into your profits, right? Import duties, terminal handling charges, Oh, de-stuffing fees. Oh, I love that one. Portless is here to help you improve your gross margins by up to 40% by eliminating those fees and costs. If you're looking for a way to take control of your inventory and free up cash flow for this holiday season and moving into Q1, Portless is the answer. This is the answer for you guys. So down in the show notes, we are going to have a link for you to try Portless out. So go to the link and order a product 
order it to your address somewhere here in North America and see what happens. And again, for the, my Australia listeners as well, they do ship down there too. So try it out. It's an incredible experience and you can see how seamless it looks. Honestly, guys, we are thinking about moving all of our fulfillment over there because it is such a phenomenal experience and is changing our cash conversion cycle absolutely massively. So again, links down in the show notes. I'll probably be talking about these guys a lot <laughs> in the future. Anyway, on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today, I'm chatting with Mandy Herman, a CMO in the D2C space. Really looking forward to this conversation today. We've got some really interesting things we haven't talked about in a long time. Things that I've actually wanted to delve into on this podcast for a long time. Uh, I'm not going to let you know what they are. I'm learning about like watch time on TikTok because, you know, I'm a millennial who doesn't understand TikTok and how it works and everything I put out there doesn't actually go anywhere. So I'm taking a course right now. And number one on TikTok is watch time. And so you never give anything away. That's the whole idea. That's one of the, the principles. You don't give any, anything away at the beginning. You have just enough so that people continue to watch and watch and watch. So if I don't ever give you any information at the beginning of a podcast, it's because I'm practicing. I'm practicing for TikTok, everyone. So anyway, you've all listened for uh, almost two minutes now, me rant like this. Mandy Herman, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Super excited to join and talk all things e-commerce and marketing. And I love the manipulation you already put out there. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. So Mandy, for people who don't know anything about you, tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, pleasure to do so. If you hear an accent, I'm actually from Germany. I've been living in the Bay Area for almost 15 years, and I'm very passionate about 360 marketing. I started my career uh, in very traditional marketing, like print by publishing a magazine and event management. And with my move to Silicon Valley, I started to pivot more into online marketing. These were the golden years of SEO. If you remember the CSN stores with URLs like luggage.com, cookware.com, which turned into Wayfair. These were the golden years where they actually ranked number one for luggage. Cookware.com turned into Wayfair? Yeah, CSN stores. They had over 200 internet retail websites including things like cookware, strollers.com, luggage.com. And those all amalgamated into Wayfair. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah, because Panda hit. So Google launched an algorithm update that wiped out these pass-through sites and valued brands. So that's when the whole SEO world had to change. Backlinking became more difficult because Google now valued brands that actually stand for something and consumer built credibility around. And because too many companies just game the system, right? Like you just launched something and bought a URL and then you got all the traffic for betting. And so yeah. that was really changed. And that changed my career too, because I had to pivot to PPC. Turns out Google has to make money and that's how they came out with like, oh yeah, let's sell more ads. Interesting. Do, do you think Panda had a part to play in there? Yeah, the company I worked for here in Silicon Valley was a price comparison website. I don't know if you remember the good old days, there were websites that aggregated all these brands. Those price aggregators where you're like, oh yeah, those are awesome. I forgot about yeah. those. Yeah, at Macy's, the betting only costs like $29.99 and yeah. a Nordstrom like this much. And Google was like, we don't want to give those people traffic. So they wiped those out with an update and valued then Macy's and Nordstrom and other companies that have a brand name versus these pass-through sites. And those pass-through sites really worked on organic traffic because it's free based yeah. on clicks, right? You click to Nordstrom and they give you 20 cents for that click. 
So that was yeah. really interesting to see as an industry change here in the Valley where people right, they work right next to Google and they're like, oh, update coming. And then you have to pivot. So if you work here in marketing, you're always on top of the changes in the update. Interesting, because most of these updates that you see that Google makes and Facebook and Apple and all of these things, most of the times I'm like, yeah, I think that they're doing it for the consumer. And then you remember, and then iOS 14.5 hits and you're like, you're not doing this privacy thing for the consumer. You're doing it because you want to sell billions of dollars of ads. This is on your roadmap. We all all know that Apple. And it's interesting. I actually just passed through the Bay Area a couple of weeks ago and went to Apple headquarters, which was awesome, which was great. But it is very interesting when you think like, oh, these companies are not doing this stuff altruistically or because they believe in privacy. They're doing it to make money at the end of the day. And that's it. They have to report to the shareholders. So we understand this marketers and not putting our pink glasses on and say, right, like, oh, of course, you know, it's for the best of the consumer. So we have to understand that system too and work within the system. It's like we actually have to figure this stuff out right? We're not going to change Google or Apple or Facebook. We're just not going to. And so we have to actually understand what to do within the playground and the rules that they set. Exactly. And so I had to change as well because this industry was wiped out and I started to work for a brand that is, fun fact, like the world leader in most realistic artificial Christmas trees and worked almost for a full decade there. And I was on the performance marketing growth side. And that's a privately held company that had the goal of first customer profitable acquisition every year because they were privately held. So as a marketer, really understand the touch points, the profitability, and you're so seasonal that you basically do marketing on asset. You have to be so fast and like looking at the market, changing, pivoting. If there is no growth that year, you have to make a call and say, are we pushing? And it becomes like unprofitable or are we holding back and then move inventory to the next year? So it's a really interesting dynamic where you work closely with all the cross-functional partners, the finance team, the ops team, right? Inventory to understand where you are, the merch team and say, these are the yeah. best sellers. Do we have more? Can we push? And so it's really fun. And we talked a little bit about like the big guys who dictate marketing, but it's actually the consumer. You have to understand where the consumer is, who is your consumer in the first place, yeah. what need are you filling for them or what service are you providing that they're missing? And then it becomes more fun because now you're not looking at Google or Apple, you're looking at actually the person that you're targeting and they might not be on those platforms. They might receive mail. They're subscriber to the New Yorker or they want to still have the New York Times as a paper in their mailbox, right? So they're really interested in having this old school happy device of a print medium. And so that's something that's interesting that I have mm. seen in the industry. People call catalog debt for many years and say, that's like for an old people vehicle. We don't think catalog is a good vehicle for our online marketing, right? Because everybody looks at Google, everybody looks at Facebook, and there's something there where there are lots of studies around how having a physical book in your hand engages you as a consumer. There are studies about the haptic, flipping the page, seeing the photography, building a connection with the brand. Mm. And that's something that we use and, and take advantage of when direct-to-consumers are launching catalogs now. And you see lots of new brands coming out with catalogs. Young, millennial, Gen Z-driven brands have beautiful yeah. catalogs out there. But in millennial in particular, you know, I think like that's the age range that I'm in. And I think about when I go to my friend's houses, they all have coffee table beautiful books out, right? And they also just happen to like, I'll, I'll go and look and I'll be like, oh, interesting. That's just like a sales book, but it's gorgeous. I'm trying to think in particular which brand it was, right? It was like West Elm or something that sent something out that was just like, oh, well done. And they keep it on there because it's so beautiful. Right. So, yeah, there's definitely something there. And this is why I was so looking forward to having this conversation about catalogs. You know, we talked ages ago. I talked with Chaz at Micromark about it, who's still a great buddy and in my mastermind. And he still swears by catalogs. It's like it's what works for them comparatively to digital all day catalogs work. 
And that makes sense. They're in the crafting sort of space where people want to almost like Uline, right? Where like Uline is like the master of sending out in the B2B world of sending out catalogs every 10 minutes, it seems like. But yet I have them all. And yet I order from Uline all the time. So I'm really interested in this side of D2C, even more like in the sort of fashion and beautiful side of things. Like, does it actually work? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I think you mentioned two brands that really do a great job. It's the home decor brands that have beautiful seasonally driven catalogs as well. So you get the back to school catalogs or you get like the holiday, Christmas celebration catalogs. There's a like kids running around in PJs next to a beautiful couch. So there's like this emotional attachment immediately coming to the product. Yeah. And then fashion does a great job in terms of relatability now with more inclusive photography. It's not as aspiration anymore as it was in the past with the models looking a certain way. Now companies are more inclusive, show all types of That's body great. shape. And you might see yourself in that catalog that you didn't see for many, many years. And you were like, that's not me. And you threw it out, right? So there is like a change in the way we do consumer marketing and how the consumer asks us as brands to pivot and fulfill their new change of needs. And if you think about the book laying around, your friends are over for a drink. There's a couple impressions you get there and you get a conversation. Or do you like their brand? You know, how's your experience? The word of mouth is often not considerate when you talk about advocates, right? And there's lots of like, if my friend recommends to me something, I value it higher than this influencer I may or may not follow on TikTok. So there's something here that, especially for higher AOV brands, that's a really good vehicle to move the product. Yeah, that's really interesting, especially that coffee table aspect of things, right? Where we're talking about that, because that's where a lot of this, especially if it's beautiful, will land, right? And hopefully it will. And that creates conversations. We talk about this all the time with the brands that we own and the ones that we work with at Upgrowth. And we talk about how do we get conversations started? How do we naturally get conversations started without forcing it? And a nice piece of art, right? I mean, maybe not a piece of art. Well, yeah, but... It depends on the brand. I think you're right. Some collect the catalogs that that loyal to their brand and they have them in their magazine stands. So I think you're not too far off with that. There's, of course, the waste. You have to look at people like a catalog and throw it out. So tracking is really important, what the engagement is on your catalog. Yes, thank you. Mandy, you took the words right out of my mouth. How in the world do you actually track this stuff? Yeah, I think there's two options when you work with catalog that you have to consider as a marketer. In the traditional sense, people look at catalog as a retention vehicle. Catalogs come out after you acquire a customer to then show them the breadth of your product. So it's your second engagement with the customer, which I think is you have to look at it from a cost perspective because you already acquired that customer and now you're spending a lot of money sending them print items. So we should talk about that. What I think is really interesting from your perspective to scale businesses is from an acquisition point. How do you launch customer as a first touch acquisition, which people might be hesitant and say, oh, that sounds difficult for me. How do I do this? It sounds expensive, but there is a really good insight with different providers that you can work with that have very targeted audiences. So we know a lot about you and your signals that you give through your online searches as well as offline. Your geo-targeting, right? What neighborhoods do you live in? What's your household like? Do you have children? Do you have a dog for dog companies? Very important that you know they have a dog. They get a dog catalog. So we know a lot of this information and they're built for your list of audiences that are potentially in the market for your product. And that really helps. Sorry, Mandy, I just want to step in there just for one second. Guys, if you haven't listened to the episode with Postpilot, Michael Epstein was on recently and him and I were talking all about this. They are actually launching a catalog service as well and their targeting is phenomenal. Yes, are you going to pay a little bit more than going to like an old school place. Absolutely. But one of the the targeting pieces that he talked about is they can target, they can get this exact, they can target women who are pregnant in their 
third trimester. Think about that, guys. Like we at Upgrowth, we work with a lot of baby companies just because one of our brands, Little and Lively, is in that space. And so people understand we're experts in this space. And so we work with a lot of brands like this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is for acquisition. This is for acquisition. Sorry, Mandy, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just wanted to make sure we got that point in. No, I listened to that episode because I was interested in that as a marketer as well. And he is absolutely right in what he shared about his company. And that's something interesting where you get a little bit away from the anxiousness about like, well, it's just broad and you have to push it out and we never see return. You can do it. You can launch very small. You don't have to go big and push it out. So it's very interesting that the testing vehicle for you and you have to understand how to go out there. So easy with that is the tracking. You have an address and if they convert, you compare if they convert and they get a catalog. Yes, no, right? It's really good to see the conversion path there. What makes it complicated is if you look at a path from a consumer perspective, it's not just the catalog. It's rare that they get the catalog, go to the website, typing in the direct URL and purchase. Ideally, we would love that. The consumer is like, of course, they type it in on Google. Then they misspell the URL. So you have like another brand click in there. Then they're like starting research. Then they're leaving. Now remarketing kicks in, right? And then there's an email coming out because they signed up for the 10% off. So you have to look at the full fund and not just give Catalog the full credit. Yes, it was the first touch point that led them to your brand. But now you have to understand how much money they cost you until they get to the conversion. Yes. And so there are tools like Rockerbox out there that do that because they can get upload the list into their tool. So you know, receive the catalog. And then by timestamps, they can also like, this is the day the catalog launched. This is when they came to the site. This is when they converted. You can see the path to conversion. So it's really cool because it doesn't expire in terms of data right? Because it's a physical address. So it's really cool for us to see that. That's super interesting. I'm actually wondering if Postpilot is going to do integrations with tools like that. Like, do they have an integration with Rockerbox? I haven't heard Rockerbox in ages, by the way. Yeah. I really like about where they're going with catalog and they can also do with you in the future holdouts. Yes. Love holdouts. Can you explain holdouts for our audience just in case they don't understand that? Mm -hmm. I think it's really good to understand always like your testing landscape in marketing. So AB testing is always required and also for catalog as well as social media, PPC, right? So for catalog, it's an interesting experiment. You pick a holdout group and yeah. they don't receive the catalog. And then you look at them against the people who receive the catalog and what's the incrementality. Yeah. And what, what I saw in the past for existing customer, the incrementality is very small. So because they also get your emails and they also get other marketing channels, right? Programmatic can retarget you as an existing customer. So it doesn't seem to be the catalog is giving what a catalog costs you. And sometimes that is the right vehicle to follow up. Make it small, make it less pages if you really want to believe in that. Other than that, I didn't see that as a really good follow-up for retention, given how our marketing costs have been increasing. That's interesting. I'm actually wondering too about with those first customers, if you want to include material like that, just include it in the order itself. The cost on that is pretty low, right? Just be able to have it as an insert inside of their first order, if that's something that you want to do. I see that. what you mean. If you do it in yeah. the package. Yeah. Yes, yes. I think there was something that you see a lot of companies doing. You give you like a percentage off, right? Or they introduce you to the company with a little flyer. A lot of companies tried that through the back door with Amazon, right? A lot of companies launched on Amazon yes. and tried to get them off of Amazon into their e-commerce websites by putting this insert in, which they're technically not allowed. I was going to say Amazon doesn't like that. Oops, who put that flyer in? 
operations again. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. The inserts are interesting. I think it's tough because the second purchase is not so close to the first. So the flyer goes away somewhere. It's on the kitchen table. It goes into recycling. Yeah. So keeping that on top of their refrigerator is a big assumption that you have to make. Yeah, absolutely. So let's walk through what makes like I'd love to talk about fashion and home decor because I, I feel like there's a lot of people who listen to this that are in those industries. What are the do's and don'ts of sending catalogs out to people? What you really have to look at is the cost of your creative team. A lot of companies think about shooting specifically for the catalog and that can quickly increase your budget. So if you have a small business and you need to scale up, if you can work with your creative team on understanding how you can shoot for the catalog and at the same shoot also for online, which is tough for them, right? It's different sizes. The catalog is different when a banner ad, right? So it's over asking them to do something. But as if you can work really close with the creative team and ask them to keep both in mind, then you don't have the double shoot and that brings down costs. Another thing you have for an acquisition catalog, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Rinse and repeat. So you don't have to reshoot for an acquisition catalog because it's the same thing that's a new eyeball on your book. So think really about talking about your brand. Why should they care about you and not all the other 15 in the inbox? And then really have your best sellers in there. What you know is working, your bread and butter. This is not the time to do experiments of like, what about this? Another thing we just launched, right? So really put in your bread and butter. And then some people do add tracking codes in there. If you see them on the back of the catalog, you see a lot of QR codes, or you see that percentage off, they use this for real-time tracking. So they can quickly see when, because of the matchback, they can take sometimes longer with different providers. So in the past, you saw like a coupon or specific to the catalog so they can track it back. This changes now because tools can be faster if you work with a provider that gives you the audience list right away. So you don't have to give away money on that just to track your audience. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, in case the audio is a little bit funny right now, my AirPods died. This does not happen often on this podcast, but you can tell this is a real life. We are not AI. Mandy is a real human. And so am I. Um, So absolutely wonderful. Mandy, I'm just wondering, sorry, I actually want to get back to QR codes because I think that there's something really interesting there when we're talking about QR codes, right? One of the things that the pandemic brought us was the actual use of QR codes. Back in the day, I used to own a a Taco Del Mar restaurant. It was the first business that I owned. And it's just like a Tex-Mex chain. And the whole idea that I had was, hey, let's put QR codes. This is back in like 2011. I was like, let's put QR codes on and people will scan and go there. Well, no one was using QR codes then back in 2011. Like it just never took off until the pandemic. And now everybody knows how to use QR codes everywhere. And so that was a thought that I had for direct mail is like every single page could potentially have a link to a PDP, right? Or to a collection page or something that you know is going to stay fairly stable on there. And then boom, you, you can track anyone through that, right? In the same sort of ways that you normally would. So I think that's incredibly compelling and could get you to that ROI decision pretty fast. You brought up a great point. Again, we talked a lot about the waves of marketing, right? QR codes are dead. Catalog is dead. TV is dead. But it becomes back. And sometimes you cannot plan for it, but you have to stay on top of like how the landscape is changing. And you're absolutely right with the QR codes being back in play and everybody knows. And the phone is always with you. It's attached to your hip at this point. You can always like use it right away. And you brought up a great point. Again, the overlap with marketing and e-commerce. Make sure you have a great on-site experience. That could also kill your catalog experience if you have a horrific landing page, right? Is it really talking to what your catalog just sold? Is it not completely off and you're talking about a whole different set of products because of your online on-site merchandising? That is important. You only have a certain amount of time with that customer before they lose their patience. So really yeah. make sure like the landing page ha- talks to your brand points. This is a customer just got introduced to you. You're still in the dating phase. Follow them, bring them in, show them good old marketing reviews, show them like the product in usage, right? Show the product in real 
ideal scenarios don't have it over stylized because your catalog already did that. How does it look now on a normal person, right? So I have like these UGC content there. So they see the connection between like, oh, and this is the aspiration that brought me in, but now how do I connect with that brand? And I think that's yeah. really important to understand when you launch a catalog that these two departments talk to each other. If they don't, you launch a catalog and it just doesn't do anything for you because the site didn't match the experience. Yeah, that's a really, really good point to bring up. I mean, in like normal digital marketer speak, we call it AdSense, right? Like if your ad is completely different than the landing page experience, your bounce rate is going to be incredibly high. The very same thing applies in real life, guys. Imagine, you know, so that's a really, really good point. You know, one thing I'd love to get your perspective on is what kind of minimums should people be looking at for a test with something like this? Because it's a lot more expensive, like the CPMs are incredibly higher than launching a digital marketing campaign. I don't think CPM is even the right way to measure this. What would you recommend as far as like a minimum amount of like, hey, is this going to work or not? I think I would look into the different providers that are out there. I don't have a specific number in front of me because the market has been expanding since the pandemic came out because we had more D2C companies launching businesses and growing. So the marketers caught up with that and said, oh, we want to also support the catalog business, direct mail, like smaller flyers as well. So you can just work with like maybe a fivefold and not just a full-on catalog. If you want to start with direct mail. So it depends yeah, on your budget and what you can afford and how complex is your product. If you have to do a lot of education and explain it, you need maybe more pages. But if it's like something that's sorts of neat and that's super easy, then a trifold might be the right thing or a postcard, right? That maybe gets you into the mail. So then it just drops the price. One thing that we unfortunately had to deal with coming out of the pandemic was paper prices. Paper is very expensive due to the paper mills pivoting to cardboard. There was a high demand in cardboard for the boxes shipping from e-commerce businesses and these mills had paper nobody wanted paper everybody wanted cardboard so they pivot production to cardboard then there was a paper shortage with the growth that you saw and so it's very competitive out there for a while to get paper for your catalogs in time so if you were really on top of it in 21 22 you saw sometimes frankenstein catalogs that had a mix of glossy and other papers because they couldn't get the right amount of paper oh mad i think it's called and so like, I was like, oh, this company also had trouble with their paper. The consumer didn't ring it, but we were like, oh, they had a paper issue. I don't know. I'm pretty particular. I would notice if I was thumbing through something and like, yeah. wait, why is this like yeah. this? And then already to Canada, there's a million Canada that does um, 100% recycled paper. And a lot of Gen Z brands are demanding like a more sustainable catalog, right? Like, are uh, you really right. chopping down that many trees for a catalog? Why would you send that out if you claim as a brand to be sustainable, caring about the environment? So looking into so recycled paper, of course, Patagonia was one of the first leaders in changing their full catalog to 100% recycled paper because uh, they committed yeah. to their mission. And then other brands started to follow. Not cheap either, right? So I think it's really important to understand, is your customer that conscious? Like you don't want to piss them off. No, of course, of course. And now you're on TikTok with like, look at this brand. They just killed five trees and we have wildfires everywhere. So you don't want to be in that situation. So really think about if you can support your customer that cares about those aspects. You know, one thing I just want to throw it there for our audience as well is think a little bit outside the box with these things, guys. You know, if you want to send catalogs out there and you don't think you necessarily have the full budget, think about other brands that you could potentially partner with, right? You know, one of the, the higher forms of consciousness, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it, is, is synergy, right? It's actually thinking win-win. You know, we think about seven habits. It's just beautiful when you can actually think like, huh, so let's think about my baby clothing company, right? Let's think about that. 
who could we potentially partner with to share that has the same customer as us and also wants to get in front of that customer and will not cannibalize our sales? Well, there's about a trillion other brands out there that would love to do that, right? And so if you can start thinking like that, then you've now cut your cost in half. And there's something really special there of being able to do something even better. I would much rather see you guys send out a beautiful catalog someone's going to keep on their coffee table for a while than a flyer, right? A flyer on your own or a beautiful catalog with you and one or two other brands. I have no doubt that your return is going to be in exponentially better with the beautiful catalog. I could be wrong. And obviously you should test it, but it's just something I wanted to throw out there to really think as you start to think win-win and think synergistically, these sorts of things make a lot of sense. Yeah. And you can push yourself even harder, let's say not share costs, but just get a fraction of it by partnering with a brand that has that catalog, do a partnership, get a product into their catalog. And then it's Jordan West X right? Like the brand that yes. you partner with and you get like a spread in their catalog, QR code and boom, right? It's really for you like a smaller, but it's building partnerships, understanding who you want to reach out to and how you contribute to their growth as well by being unlocking in your audience for them or having something that they haven't thought about and it doesn't take away from their share. So I yeah. think there's some great collaborations out there when you start looking into that, where you're like, oh, wow, that was clever by them to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mandy, I got to ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? I think if I have the book that answers that question, I make a billion dollars so I can share that. No, I'm just kidding. I think it's really understanding your customer. We talked a lot about the customer and it all comes down to them. Do they care about your product, service? Does it really fill a gap or improves their life? And then go deeper. What kind of customer do you want to target based on that? And that could answer easily what right marketing channels you want to activate. So you want to be seen when that need occurs, right? Or when they have the attention span to absorb your message. So that might change your marketing mix. Instead of going first to social media, maybe it's building out your PPC campaigns since the customer tends to search for a solution of their need versus being on Instagram. Or they follow, listen, certain industry leaders and they speak highly of your product. Boom, you have like a touch point and a credibility boost. So really think about where's your customer and how can you set yourself apart by not just following model A by launch first on social media. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. It's something I've been having a lot of conversations with people about as well. Of like, oh yeah, remember there's actually marketing activities outside of Meta and Google and TikTok. You know, you're really progressive. Right. Actually other ways to get in front of people. So that's brilliant. Mandy, before we get into the last three questions, where can people get a hold of you? And what are you helping people out with these days? So if you are interested working with me, I'm on LinkedIn, Mandy Herman. That should be easy to find double R double N, which is unusual for the US. And I'm a growth marketer. I'm super passionate about scaling businesses and make them profitable. And if you have anything that you have questions about, we talked catalog today, but also as we talked early in the beginning, PPC, SEO, those kind of things. I'm very knowledgeable and happy to help your business. That's awesome. Well, guys, remember, we will put all of that stuff in the show notes. So if you guys would like to get a hold of Mandy, which I highly, highly recommend, even if you're just thinking to yourself, like I've just kind of hit an ideas wall. I love that you've been in the industry for so long and been around to see some of these different cycles and some of these potential other ways to start to acquire customers and in a profitable sort of way, right? That is the name of the game, guys. You want to stick around. If you can get through this next year, you will be so much better off. And if you can't, that's okay too. If you can't stick around this year, I know that there's a lot of you guys out there right now that are kind of on that verge of bankruptcy right now. And so what I actually want to encourage you with in this is that it is not the end of the world. It does not mean that you are a failure as a person. It's going to happen and it's going to happen to a lot of people right now. 
I've seen it. I've seen it with some friends and a lot of other businesses out there. Just remember though, there are other options before bankruptcy, right? So partnering potentially with another brand, potentially trying to raise some debt financing equity is almost impossible right now, but you can try that too. There's a lot of things that you can do out there, but really finding third-party people who can take an objective look, people like Mandy, who can just take this objective look at your business and be like, oh, here's where you could potentially improve that you probably haven't even thought about is massive. Mandy, I got three questions left for you. I hope that you're ready. I do so many asides on this podcast, guys. As everyone knows, I never have something planned. It's like, here's what we're going to talk. Here's what's on Jordan's mind today <laughs> or heart. First question for you, favorite tool or app that you're using right now? I think we all have to study our AI tools. We are a little bit shying away from it or be nervous about it. But I think there's some great tools out there. I was recently at a workshop in San Francisco that was sponsored by Primonio and they talked about one. It's called Chris. It's one of the many background noise cancellation tools. But isn't that amazing for a meeting that you can just like cancel out whatever dog barking you have or the leaf blower that comes right in your meeting through the garden. So I really love that because I think there was a lot of time like, oh, mute and the conversation is disrupted. So I love those kind of new tools that come out that really will help us. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. No one's ever brought that up. So that's wonderful. Mandy, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? I think I love podcasts. What you said earlier, you just have a conversation and you don't plan this. I think that's what the form is. And I love that about the podcast because you start connecting with people and you listen to them and you have a, yeah, a conversation. And one of the early podcasts that did this was by Mark Marin. It's called WTF. He's a comedian. Yeah. And he did this in the late 2000s. out the first original long form podcast interviewing people, which yeah. led to a podcast Armchair Expert. And you learn so much in an hour and a half about other people. And I love how vulnerable he is and how he empathizes. And you get so much more out of this conversation versus the 10 questions and an article that's the same in every medium. So yeah, a listicle in podcast form. Yeah, we have a lot of those too. There are over 5 million podcasts, so it's tough to stand out. You know, it's funny, Mandy. I was listening to one of my favorite comedians in the world, Pete Holmes, on the Rich Roll mm -hmm. podcast. And they both were saying how Mark Marin they wouldn't be around without him and him yeah. starting in this space. And so that was really, really cool to hear them give that nod because they're both, I mean, Pete has had his podcast since like 2010 or something like that. And it's really actually helped him. Like he wouldn't have done any of the things that he did without his podcast. Like he wouldn't have had crashing and all the different stuff that he'd done. So my encouragement also is if you like to have conversations with people and you got some things to say, start a podcast. Even if 10 people listen to it, it is just phenomenal. Like Mandy, I'm sure we're going to be connected forever after this. You know, we have a great conversation and there's really no like, I'm not trying to get anything from you. You're not trying to get anything from me. We're just here talking. It's really special. I'm going to ask you that. The last question I'd like to ask here, you just found out you have a year to live. What changes? That's an interesting thought experiment that I've played out. And I am in the place where I'm full with gratitude for the life that I'm able to live. I am very privileged and fortunate and I am aware of it. So if you reach that, you stop chasing things like title or money goal and things that people put on their bucket list. When people achieve those things in their life, like the promotion or the rate, it just leads to short-term happiness. And once that fades, you start moving the goalposts. So you're constantly like, what's next? What's mm. next? And I only have now one year to live. So I better make bucket list with all these 10 things that I need to achieve. And that's not going to lead to happiness. We know that. And so if I have a year left, I, I love keeping being in the moment with my family, my friends, and enjoy the connection and time together that we have last. I think that's what matters most in life. Mandy, that's the best answer I've ever had. Because I recently finished a, a Dan Sullivan book, 10x is easier than 2x. And he brings up the idea of the gap and the gain, which I am going to go back and read that entire book, because I think it's just a brilliant concept for high achievers. That's like, 
we're never happy. The goalposts continually get moved, right? The horizon, no matter where we are, the horizon continually moves. And so we're never happy, right? And so when people answer this question, it's like, oh yeah, finally a year to live. Okay, what's going to make me happy? And it's like, well, probably presence, you know, is actually living now in this beautiful moment that we're in where we get to talk back and forth and connect. Actually, that's it. So yeah, great. Mandy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, remember that I'm going to have everything that we talked about down in the show notes. If you'd like to at least follow Mandy online or get a hold of her, this is the time to do it. So thank you again so much for your time today. Thank you, Jordan. It was a great conversation and I'm happy we were able to geek out all things marketing and e-commerce. Yes. Have a wonderful day. Hey guys, just wanted to say thanks again so much for listening to the podcast. If I could ask one favor of you, it would be to share this with your other e-commerce store owner friends. Uh, we want uh, everyone in the e-com space uh, to be listening to this podcast and lots of you guys already are. And we really, really appreciate that. One last thing before you go as well is we are offering to our podcast listeners a free e-commerce growth plan where we go from strategy to sale with your brand in this e-commerce growth plan. So feel free to go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com slash grow and apply for a free growth plan today. Thank you all again so much for listening.